HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. Hey there, welcome to The Feed Feed, where we sit down with leaders and upstarts of the food media realm to discuss everything from navigating social media, building, engaging with, and growing a community, and producing content that resonates with young and old. I'm Jay Cohen, Editorial Director of The Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source of what to cook, bake, and drink. Today we're talking about videos, podcasts, and everything in between. We have my good friend, Dan Janine, who is a video producer at Eater, as well as the co-host of Eater's podcast, The Eater's Digest. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, Jake, thanks for having me. Um, This is a super, I mean, it's a super funny situation because this is the first episode of our podcast that is not being recorded in the studio. We are both remote, obviously, because of everything going on with coronavirus. You are in Canada right now? Yeah, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, just in case you needed the uh, province as well there. Yeah, of course. I mean, naturally, I would, would have been confused otherwise, um, <laughs> which is where you're from because you are a Canadian. I am a Canadian, yeah. Beautiful. Um, before we get into the love story of our friendship and how we met, what do you do and how did you get into food? Uh, oh, boy. Um, do you mean, well, here, let's break this down. Do you want how, how did I get into food media or how did I get into food in general? I mean, you can, you can give a little, a little vignette about food in general, but I think mainly media. 
Sure. I mean, I come from a food family. Uh, on my dad's side, my aunt is a cookbook author. My grandma owned Toronto's, one of Toronto's most uh, influential cooking stores right downtown. Uh, and she taught me how to cook when I was really young. I worked in kitchens growing up. Uh, so that's my food background. And then I worked in radio for a while in New York. And then I was bumbling around, you know, as we do millennials. And I uh, ended up producing the podcast for Eater, which um, had just started while I was in grad school, actually. And, you know, I was just a hungry boy coming from a food family, took on more and more responsibilities, eventually killed the other two hosts, took over the podcast, got video responsibilities. (laughs) And uh, and then, yeah, I just became a full blown producer and then later learned what a producer was. And what is a producer? (laughs) That's such like everyone's a producer, I feel. Everyone's a producer. Yeah. The good thing about being a producer is you can just say you're a producer and then you're technically a producer. Um, I think a producer... I'm a producer now. I'm going to say it. You're a producer. I mean, you are definitely a producer. I produce things. I feel like producer is the title of people who make things happen, especially media, um, who are not in the forefront. Like, So it can be any level of, of, of being visible, but typically not the person on camera. I feel like the BuzzFeed... Well, I'm not a producer then, Dan. No, 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 no. But hold on. But the BuzzFeed food video revolution of just using the people internally to make um, make the videos, and, and they all call themselves food or video producers, like, hi, I'm a producer at BuzzFeed, and blah, blah, blah. That <laughs> That's blurred the lines, right? Yeah. So now... I mean, I, and that definitely has trickled over into, like, the bone app sphere. Right. And so now it doesn't even in it doesn't even mean anything. You know, in the film world, it's the person who connects the script to the directors, to the actors. Um, but you know what? They give notes. So in a way, they're kind of like the director. It just it, it just depends. Interestingly, in the world of production, um, I feel like one thing that does remain is is most producers are split into either logistics based or creative based. And I think that's a good thing. I think when you get people who make their way to the top, when you have executive producers, they're kind of doing both. But but typically when you when you meet a producer, especially in new media, who knows how long they'll exist because who knows how long any of all us will exist. Yeah. But you'll be like, oh, oh cool, what do you, in, in, most people will either be in charge of lining shit up. Can I swear? Are we I swearing? Yeah. I wouldn't use any slurs, but I think. Light slur. Fine. Okay, I won't use any racial slurs, but I'm going to swear a little bit. Um, lining things up or or directing um ideas and so those are creative producers or line producers or you know coordinating producers supervising producers all those people are in charge of of setting stuff up and then the creatives uh, decide what the stories are actually going to be and then correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like you would start more so in the logistics side before you get into the creative aspect was that like your career no so i think actually you you start in either one traditionally in in bigger budget things uh and and but now that there's this whole world of internet content yeah. these lines have been destroyed so i started i i started doing both um but now if you actually were to like what does it being a producer mean to you now to me it just seems like the person who does everything like i think the 
producer role on digital content is the most important. Like we still use these ideas of director and director photography whatever. But I mean, editor is obviously still huge, but like when you have these smaller things that are, can be run by one person that to me is typically the producer. I don't know if that any of that is useful to you, but uh, I mean, I think it's just interesting. I think yeah. it's one of those things where it's a term that's so widely used, especially um, in the food world now, as media is becoming this kind of like larger than life thing. Of everyone has a podcast. I mean, yeah. clearly since you're on mine, but the idea of like what you are the last and final person to get a podcast. <laughs> it's ended after this. It's I ruined it for everyone. But um, so now we're getting into like you at Eater and obviously Eater focuses on. Well, like, hold on. Do you think okay. of yourself as a producer? I mean, I'm what they, the kids are calling these days a predator, I would say. Oh. Because there's the. the Sorry, we're talking of, about at work here, not. Uh, at work. work, yes. Not, yeah, not, I'm not a predator in any <laughs> other sense of the term other than the, the use of the producer plus the editor together i didn't even know um, that was a thing yes 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 uh, oh i just i, mean, I don't think you were taking everyone else's jobs away no one wants to be associated with being a predator in any sort of i thing. really didn't even know that was a that's a good portmanteau though that's cool yeah. all right um but i think like you said in the sense of the buzzfeed revolution i came into food media at Severn, which it was very, very much so like behind the scenes, there was no kind of need for personalities. It was about finding good content, good stories, good writers, but it was content was king and the publication was this kind of living entity, um, which has since kind of shifted in the sense of a publication is only a vessel of the voices um, that work for it. So yeah. now I feel like everyone does have to be producing at least themselves, if not their team. Um, as soon as you get into a role where you're responsible for other people, other voices in the food world, then all of a yeah. sudden like, I am producing for my other editors, whether that be a cooking video they do or just a head note they write um, yeah. in the sense of making sure that it's aligning with the brand voice. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, one of the things I find funny about the whole producer thing is it's like I've worked my bosses and people that have like made up the infrastructure of the environments that I've been in making things have I loosely been 50% from the TV world and 50% idiots like me who have never worked in any kind of legitimate uh, environment. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fascinating the lore that's left over from the world of TV. So like in the world of TV and movies, being a producer and not an associate producer and not like a, uh, you know, junior producer being, yeah. if your title is producer, that means something that's like chef, you know, that's like general or whatever. So like, or black belt, like in a, the guy who, when, when I was promoted to producer from associate producer, I was like, Oh cool. An extra, whatever bundle of money. I mean, not a lot of money, but I didn't think it mattered, but it, there was like a weird kind of winky head nod thing. Like I was th now a producer that had been made producer by these people. Like it, it was some grand honor. I remember we fucked up. Sorry. We uh, screwed up a shoot one time 
uh, there was in like details. this. What was the sh- well, can you well any- no, I mean, I, I'll go into details after, but I will just say that we screwed up a shoot. And then I talked to a boss at the time and I was I was telling him that we had screwed it up. And he goes, you know what really makes me mad? There were two producers on that shoot. And I was like, all right, like you, you gave me a promotion last year. But I didn't realize that to a lot of people, this is still a thing that means something. I think our world has just become like a chaotic mess. What did I do on the shoot? I don't know. I mean, it could have been any. I, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, we just we just went and shot a bunch of videos around the country that ended up being like bad airplane commercials for the restaurant. Like there wasn't really a story. It was just like, when I think of the market, I think of freshness or whatever, like things that just are boring and don't matter and are just straight cliches and slow motion of like parsley that no one gives a shit about. Um, So that's, that's what, that's what we messed up. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, So you're a producer. I'm a producer. We're all producers. We're predators. It's great. I love it. I love it. Um, but I think that kind of gives like a great segment into kind of what makes a compelling story and the difference between something feeling um, authentic versus commercial. Yeah. And like, what's your approach with that? Like in, in your sense, in your head, how would have you done it differently to make these stories feel more authentic, especially when you're dealing with something like chefs where right. it's not like a Buzzfeed or or feed feed where we're creating the concept from scratch. You are kind of going and finding uh, almost like more so like, uh, did you watch the morning show on Apple? No, no. Okay, probably. But the whole concept of like producers on a television morning show and finding stories like that and being able to capture stories, but they're not voices that you're really able to control. It's someone else. (laughs) Okay, so I think that those are, those are maybe two separate questions, right? Like what is it when you come across a character and you can't mold it in the way that you want for a thing? Um, the answer to that I think is as a producer and now I, now I sound like all the people that I've found annoying, but as a producer, I feel like when you find a story, the most, the best people, uh, are the most flexible. So you figure out what is actually like you go in with an idea of what, of what the story is. And then, um, for instance, I made a video at this restaurant in New York called Aquavit, and uh, mm-hmm. the show I do for Eater uh, is called Mise en Place, and they're crushing. No big deal. Just like controlling YouTube, it's fine. Coming okay. for Brad Leone, but um, <laughs> I mean, you know, four or five mil, it's nothing to me. But uh, I uh, we went in, and and so we were working with this chef named Emma Bankson. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's the head chef at Aquavit, and all these videos are about the tasting menu that they do. Um, and we went in on a day that Aquavit, I'm just realizing that this story is, uh, I was saying all the best producers do a thing where they adapt and this story is about how I adapt. So I'm the best, but, um, the, we went in on a day that was really slow. And what I didn't really fully understand about Aquavit is that they have a, a, a nice dining room. They have a nice tasting menu, but like really the, the, the majority of their kitchen is dedicated to corporate lunches and that's how they actually pay a lot of their uh, their bills and uh, you know they make a great kale salad and smoked salmon whatever and they cater these they're doing like 150 or 200 people uh, lunches every day for all these big banks are, that are around 
and we went in and like there wasn't that much focus on the tasting menu and then every two or something two or three hours she would just get pulled over to this massive banquet section of the kitchen and just get just like they'd get destroyed there'd be like 250 plates on the pass going out that had to go out in like four minutes so it's just it's just about being like okay well this is the story now the story is more about what actually happens in this kitchen and and how can we capture that and then tell it honestly um and and it's not so much about the tasting menu anymore it's about the the balance that she had between the two um so i think that that what is what makes a good producer uh, is a captivating story, yeah. And uh, the 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 first the first question you were saying um, how what makes things like not feel like bad airplane commercials? Um, I don't know. I think it's like always a gut thing. Like you know it when you see it when things are just like slow motion and and there isn't really substance. But I, I think the biggest thing is like a if you understand the person after you've watched the thing. Like if you really feel like you get them in a way that you didn't before or that wasn't like a cliche, you know, it's I don't care about their like it's if they meditate or whatever, that's interesting. But if like the farmer's market is their meditation like that, that's everyone, you know, like stop saying that. But it's like I if you feel like you have a personal connection with them after watching the thing, I feel like that's that makes it. I don't know, not airplaney, but I feel like the the most the thing that I always tell people when they're making things is like talk about the thing that's going on. You know, like everything you do has to come back to what the headline is about of the piece. So if it's like how whatever restaurant gets ready for service every day, then like you can only you're only going to be able to share that person by actually telling the story of how they get ready for service. I can't really fully articulate it, but it, it there's just I mean, like I a understand gut, it completely. There's a gut difference between things that are superfluous and things that are ab- about the central line of of the story. What's the balance then because you obviously you were drawn to go do a piece at Aquavie, but the story itself right. changed once you were there. What is drawing you to the initial? Is it just like, yeah. all right, trendy chef, and then figuring out what the story is? How much of it is kind of in the moment and how much is pre-produced? Yeah, so it's luck, right? Because like I knew going in that this chef was an amazing chef, right? So I I knew that she's an amazing chef, and I and you have to just trust – and it doesn't always work, but you have to trust that or, or, or you have to say, like, hopefully whatever this person puts their attention to is going to be interesting. Now, you run into problems sometimes where it's like amazing chefs then have become HR managers because their whole job is running a team and dealing with other people. And those are interesting stories, too. Those don't work as well on video. But I think I think you have to. uh you know, get a little bit of a sense of what they're going to be doing, but just trust that like, if you're there to catch an amazing chef cooking, like you have to adapt to whatever they're cooking. But like, I think you can feel comfortable knowing that, that because they've built up so much competence in a field, uh, that, that if you focus in enough on them in that field, it will work. It just might not be the exact product that you thought you were going to get going in. So the idea behind just, all right, she's a cool chef. I'm going to go in. How yeah. often is it like the, the balance of, 
all right, there's actually nothing here and I have to walk away from this story. <laughs> I mean, like in TV world that happens, we don't have the budget. Like if we travel somewhere yeah. or we take a day to go shoot a thing, it's like you're going to make something from that thing. Um, how often is it? Like it, depending on the restaurant, I shot something at a really small restaurant recently where um, – you know, you don't want to get in the way of what they're doing. And, and the most important thing you can do is not affect. You hear a lot of horror stories of, of, of brands that come in and just throw shit around and film them doing a thing and leave a lot of trash and have no respect for their actual business. And the most yeah. important thing you can do is respect their business. But like you show up in a place and like uh, they get 400 pounds of fish and every single chef in the kitchen has to butcher fish that day. And you don't get any kind of variety in what you're shooting. Um, especially if you've just planned, I mean, all the things I do are just on one day. So it's, that's tough. And then you just have to make the most of whatever little scraps you have. But sometimes like that, like you're there and it's like, well, this isn't going to work, you know, that well, but we're going to make the best of, of what we can. And then I think that that is like in situations like that, if you're the producer, I think that, you know, I, I'm confident that I could bully the kitchen around and, and screw them up and be like, no, no, we're going to focus on this, this, and this, and you have to make this dish. You have to make this dish. But I, I think maybe what makes me good at it is that I'm, I'm more concerned and my, I'm, I'm always focused on what the restaurant is doing and I'm not, I'm trying to catch that. I'm not trying to manipulate it. That's good. And then thanks. Um, can you t I mean, listen, it's it's good to know that Dan Janine is in some monster looking to. Well, you hear about this shit a lot. Do you do you I'm yeah. sure you do. Right. You hear 100%. like I mean, the, I'm very happy to be out of the restaurant world in terms of content um, just because I mean, there was a good amount of Tavar. There was that was like our bread and butter at tasting table was adapting chef recipes and that in itself that yeah. construct of a brand is so difficult because um you're inherently taking chef's work and changing right, it right, and right, while right. the purpose is for like the greater good of someone in someone far away who would not have the opportunity to go and dine at this restaurant to have some sort of connection to the food yeah. that's beautiful but it just doesn't make it any easier of that delicate dance between what is bastardization and what is a polite adjustment for the home cook. No, I think that's really smart. And I think like you can, it's such a slippery slope that you can go down where, where you think um, this chef could really use this press. I'm, I'm going to make this, I know how to make this recipe useful to people, you know, 2000 miles away. So I'm going to make, I'm going to alter it and I'm going to make it more sensible. Uh, and, and then, and you take their vision out of it a little bit, but you know that maybe that recipe will get shared more. Um, I, I think you, you just to have say to say more about that in the sense of the, the chef can use the press because I feel like that's such, well, a I think that we have this idea that like, you know, what we're doing is, is useful because maybe they'll get some more Instagram followers and then they can have more people come eat at their restaurants or whatever. Um, but you have to remember that like, I, I always treat it like chefs are working. Their number one goal is to make the most good food they can for the most people or maybe not the most people, but, or have provide these as amazing culinary experiences. Yeah. They're not as many people as they choose to. They're not trying 
I, you know, most of them are not trying to just get like famous. So yeah, you just, you can't, you can't try to manipulate what you believe is in their best interests and, and make, and, and make judgments on their, on their behalf. Right. Like it goes through my head if I'm shooting a thing and they're not flexible or they're not like giving with what they want to show where I'm like, yo, this could double your calls in the next month or whatever. But it's like you you remember that they're just doing it to try to help their restaurant and their restaurant is the most important thing. Like they, at the end of the day, like your video or whatever you're making or your recipe is secondary. Completely. And with that, we will take a quick break. Restaurants employ over 15 million people nationwide, and two-thirds of all restaurants are independently owned and not part of big chains. Yet, currently, these small businesses are not represented in government relief negotiations. Roar is working to change that by fighting for relief opportunities for all restaurants. Roar is advocating for an eight-point plan in New York State that will allow restaurants to reopen and rehire when the time comes. Dozens of industry leaders have signed onto this plan, like Namwa Tea Parlor, Field Trip, Momofuku, and many more of your favorites. You can join them at change.org by searching for Roar, relief opportunities for all restaurants. Dan, this is kind of such a great transition because the first part of this episode talked about video, and now I want to get into podcasts uh, because you're a podcast host yourself, and mm. I mean, I am always just mesmerized by the tone of your voice because I just love to hear you speak. Um, but what is kind of like, what was the history around you kind of stepping in to become a host and then figuring out um from going from being a producer of videos mm-hmm. to interviewing people. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I, it's a tough. Well, like interview. I don't interview that ma- that many people anymore. But um, I, I think like one of the things that I have found most interesting about about having a voice on microphone, going from off to on, is that like it, you can just try to be as good as you can and really do your work and like listen back and take feedback from people but every single person who has done something public went from a position where they weren't to where they were and I hope that all of them are like I shouldn't be doing this this is for the professionals you know (laughs) but because I mean I do that all the time I I have terrible I mean I don't I have no idea why (laughs) I guess I don't just hold it for myself I have no idea why anyone gets to do anything I um, could not agree more. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like you just you just uh, you believe like you have to trust that somebody put you in that position for some for some reason. And uh, you could be you're like one of the newer people who's doing the thing. Um, and I, I yeah, I think that's my real. The way you that. framed that kind of was like it's a responsibility. 
that you were kind of <laughs> given a platform and it's like, oh, you, you're kind of no, like, no, no. Little, but if you're interested, Batman-ish. <laughs> no, no, I don't believe it's a responsibility. I just think if it's a thing you're interested in doing, right? Like if you're interested in sharing your voice, trying to entertain people, trying to make people laugh, trying to help people cook better food, uh, whatever, then then you have to come to terms with the fact that that you do have a platform. And I mean, a lot of people are just like, I should be on mic. And I'm like, why am I on mic? You know, like why? <laughs> so take it away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you never, I've, I don't know. It, I, I can't, but I, I also have to edit. I, I'm one of the reasons, I mean, to be fully honest, like one of the reasons I get all the opportunities I get is because I, I learned and I taught myself to do all of the things in the background. So anything that people could see me on, you know, I've hosted a few videos, I do the podcast, it's because I know how to do every single element of that thing. And I felt like I would be good. And I did all of the things in the background until there was an opportunity for me to do it. So like I can, I, I mean, one thing I believe that my sense of timing and about in podcasts and in videos is as good as anyone. I don't mean host wise, I mean, edit wise. And I mean, making decisions for how I come across or how the host comes across in the thing, right? So that's a huge advantage. If I've, I'm confident that I can, I can just go crazy and try a bunch of things on microphone or in video. And I know that I'll be at the other end of it deciding what works and what doesn't. And I trust myself as an editor infinitely more than I trust myself as anything else. I mean, that really ties into the exact same thing with the video of being a predator, which you continue to show that you are. <laughs> um, when you kind of discuss about the engineering behind like podcasts and editing, uh, how did you teach it to yourself? Do you like watch YouTube? Like, is it was you, like, <clears throat> no? I mean, I that? sat in a room with a bunch of Adderall when I was twenty years old and learned to make beats because I was a good Jew and I oh, loved rap. God, you're a DJ yeah. well. Yes, 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 yes. So I was like, how does it work? I mean, I just have the mind the way my mind works, like I don't enjoy things. I just want to know how they work. Uh, mm -hmm. When I do like my enjoyment meter is just how much do I want to know how the thing was made? Uh, except dumb action movies. I can just sink in and just let it hit me. But like <laughs> good new songs, I can't enjoy them. I'm just like, oh, that's an interesting way they've compressed the snare or whatever. Like I would love to see the, the plugins that they've used. So I... I think that's just a curse I have where, uh, you know, in comedy and whatever, I, it's very rare that I can just turn off. I'm always like, that was an interesting decision timing wise, how, what went into that. So I, I don't know if that's a teachable thing where it's just like, I can't do things without understanding how they work. Um, but I think that the simplest way to learn things is... <clears throat> is just to do the absolute bare minimum as a step one. Like everyone, I, it drives me ape poo <laughs> <laughs> when I hear people talk about learning to edit video and they're like, I'm going to learn to edit video. Um, I'm starting on Premiere on oh like, or I'm starting on Adobe Premiere. Is that the right platform or whatever? And I, it's just like, don't, ever ask professional like I don't it, it shouldn't matter to you what professionals use to make things like just find the simplest way of mashing two frames together and then work up from there like the 
bulk of learning to edit things is under like you can learn teach yourself how to edit music in GarageBand, and then once you you can get ninety nine percent of the of the the products or whatever out of GarageBand, and then you go up from there. So if you want to edit a podcast, just edit a podcast and you'll be amazed how like by the second one you've learned so much. And it's the same, it's the same thing for, for video. Um, but I, I have that problem. Like when I want to learn a new thing, my, I, I mean, I, I hate myself for this. I research, like I want to learn how to use a, a, a camera. I'm like, what do the best videographers in the world use? <laughs> it's just like, it's such a waste of time. Like figure out how to shoot videos on your phone that will exactly. teach you infinite more, infinitely more. I have questions for you, bro. Go um, for it. I mean, listen, we can turn this around. No, no, no. You could be the guest right. host. No, it's nice to it's just take a, take a seat and not have notes in front of me. But um, I just, you know, in this time period that we're in, one of the things that's popping up, a lot of people are using um, Instagram Live. You know, it's almost a cliche now to make fun of yeah. people using Instagram Live online. Like, God doesn't need any more Instagram, whatever. But like, how do you think about, how do you think about putting together engaging content? Cause like really everything I do, I only care about how entertaining and how engaging things are, right? Like when I'm hosting the podcast, I just want to be more engaging. Like how can I be more engaging? I, I find for me, it's like kind of pushing boundaries a little bit. That always works for me. But like when you're processing something like Instagram live, I mean, we can skip which over are, Instagram, are, which is no, no. This like is actually perfect because no, no, no. Because right now on Fifi, we are going live every day at noon. But like, noon, I, yeah, Instagram. I want to know. Like, I'm not going to go Instagram. I'm not. I'll go live with you sometimes, and and if you want, and make fun of you, and like say that yes, we met at I Yeshiva yes. or whatever. <laughs> but um, but I want to know, like, how do you when you take on this new medium, which is obviously some. I mean, you're good at it, but like you went live for a while last night and made meatballs. What are you thinking about now? And how, how do you take that experience and figure out ways to improve on it? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the key thing is, is you really said it in terms of engaging. Um, the issue that the industry as a whole got into was what's going to be the most traffic driving, especially when we think of like the clickbait rut that we got into about three, four years ago. Um, And that was mainly because Facebook owned everything. And that was your major source of traffic. So if most of your your traffic was coming from Facebook, it needed to be link-based and people needed to click through based on social copy, which is how it all began. Now we're obviously in this visual world where it's Instagram or TikTok or a million and one different things. And we can get into TikTok later since I know you haven't touched it, but I am obsessed. And we like, Feed Feed has over half a million followers now on TikTok. And it's just the most fun I've had in food media. But- Um, the idea about Instagram live is right now, everything happened, everyone's home. We are a company that focuses on empowering people and inspiring them on what to cook, bake and drink. They're now in a situation which when they're doing that the most they ever have, um, in addition to the fact of like, what are they looking for right now? Well, they're looking for recipes that are focusing on pantry ingredients. They're looking for quick foods, they're looking for comfort food because the news is so depressing. Um, and also they're looking for a connection. We're talking about like the concept of just talking to loved ones or checking in on them or FaceTiming your mom, which you should do today. Is she in the apartment next to you or where is she? Uh, she's on a different floor in my building. They're both self-quarantining. Is it is it almost over? Yeah, but it you know I'm gonna keep it if it means having this 
room to myself and not having all our meals together, then I'm going to keep my quarantine going as long as I possibly can. Sounds good. But the idea was- That's what you mean, right? Stay connected? That's exactly. That's exactly. Stay connected. We are now kind of going live and splitting screen with community members across the world. So like today I made cocktails with David Leibowitz from his home in Paris, um, talking about his new book and things like that. And at the same point of- Dude, congrats, bro. I didn't know that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a fun way that we can do something that's a ephemeral. There, there is something that's really nice about the fact that it's not a um, video that gets posted and it's going to be based on likes or comments right. um, because that's kind of what Instagram is moving away from by taking away likes. It's about just putting out the best content and not worrying about how it does um, because that inherently is the, is like the secret to success um it's because you're just going to be doing things that feel more authentic um so by doing these lives we're able to really then not only create content that people are looking for but at the same time in live time answers people's questions talk to them have it be a conversation that everyone's in on um which is kind of it's cool it's something that's really never happened before in food and everyone's doing it so i'm like by no means like inventing the wheel by going live. Everyone. No, no, no. But, but, but you went live for how long? 50 minutes last night, right? Yeah. But, like how, how do you, how do you grade? I mean, I'm just obsessed with how, not just how I've done, but how the thing has performed. So how do you, how do you look at an experience like that and then try and, and, and improve on it or, or, or think about it, um, as a success or a failure or, or, or how well you've done. So I mean, something seems, like this is yeah. different because it is a Q and a, so by, by opening up a live, you are creating a platform in which um, people can talk to you. So it's not based on a, how many people are going to make your recipe or how many people are going to like the post. It's based on who's talking to you. Who are you offering now this opportunity? So no matter what, it's a success because for a certain part of your community, they are even more engaged and loyal to you as a content producer because you're taking the time to talk to them. Yeah, for so, sure. But some people are boring as shit. And how do you like you're uh, entertaining I mean, and you're fun, but I'm I'm boring sometimes, you're boring sometimes. How do you make sure that the things you're making, like or that the lives are gonna be fun? Like how are you going back and be like, I should have done that better. I should have had I should have my recipe ready ahead of time so I know how so whenever I'm I don't I mean, know what to say, I have experience. the next step ready. That's experience. That's based off of I started, I remember the day when Facebook Live was launched, um, and I was working at a tasting table and someone came up and be like, All right, I'm gonna shoot you live and it like did incredibly well. And yeah. this was then the beginning of me hosting every Facebook Live for them um, right. with chefs and my or just myself or my mother. Alex came and did one for Valentine's Day. Um, yeah, you were too tall for those. That was my one. That was true. That's... That was fair. But we were using a camera that was kind of fisheye. So it like, Ugh. It, You'd have these it, famous it was... chefs who would come in and they would look like they were five foot one standing I mean, a lot of chefs are though, but the... It's better for the counter. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but the idea behind it was I had so many lives that went terribly because we were just waiting around for something to happen and then the conversation would be stale like you know how chefs can be very captivating they could also be just like a wet piece of toast like real like there's nothing they're adding to the conversation so can my tinder dates oh (laughs) anyway (laughs) (laughs) but the idea behind 
understanding yourself and how you are being watched while I'm having to be candid. It really is the closest thing I feel like I have experienced to reality television and has prepared Mm -hmm. me that when I do become a reality television star, I will know what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) Because too often there's, there's this like, dichotomy when you watch like the real housewives or something and you introduce a new character and it's funny because you don't think it would apply to food media but it actually applies to anything uh whenever you're introducing someone to this new situation you have two um worlds one is that they pale in comparison to the other characters and just become they're just not memorable and the other is they are fighting for the camera and they're Whoa, going okay. above, I've got questions. Above, I've got above questions. and beyond. And they're just being so extra that you're like, this is not authentic. And I don't like what's going on. So I'm just going to step away. And the so then when you have a wait, but when you have a Facebook live, right? Like if you're taking this Bravo example of mm-hmm. someone that's just blasting on the screen or completely drowning in it. But like, then how do you look at uh, when you're the host and you're meant to make the other person shine? I mean, I think I I am good at making someone shine because I can be self in the same way like you, like I could be self-deprecating. I can have, I could be funny. I, if they're a little uptight, then I can start to kind of prod at them with some, <laughs> some ways to kind of just get them to loosen up and understand that this is super casual. Yeah. The harder situation is when someone is just comes in and bulldozing me, like just really losing, losing their shit on camera because they just want to be, a star they want to be what they think the audience wants so fun in the end it just becomes like please stop or because i mean uh, with a lot of these chefs it's because someone along the way somewhere was just like hey when you do media be insanely talkative because like because that's not their their job it was probably a pr person it was probably a PR person and they were just like, you need to t- say everything about this dish. And it's like, okay, so this is salt. We get salt from whatever. And it's like, it's again, it's not their fault. They just, they're just doing what they're told. But uh, what, <laughs> what tricks did you learn? Uh, how do you deal with bulldozers? You honestly, you have to just start to like talk slower. Honest. I, I feel oh, like you never real talk right. them. You're never like, Hey, no, I, I think you, you just start to, you start to Zen out yourself. I feel like I, <laughs> then a sedated version of myself and as a result, they naturally will bring it down a bit and then I can vamp back up to their level yeah. um, but it, it's I mean it, it, it's just a really did you ever have one where you just fucking lost like by the like you nothing worked and you were just you were sad facing right till oh, the end 100%, of it percent and I won't say her name <laughs> but she, also, she also like she had an assistant who helped set her up and she rip right before we went live she was screaming at him like ripping him apart <laughs> it was it was like mortifying and then all of a sudden goes on and she's like hi i'm making meatballs today um that, that's the only hint, that's the only hint i'll give um but, but but i mean how valuable is that experience i mean this just goes back to what i was saying like luck is so important obviously i mean these are cliches. You, put, you put yourself in the position yeah but like you're fun you know and you can cook and you knew what you wanted and you i mean yeah you say they walked around and be like i i'm ready to film you but i'm sure i'm sure you put yourself in a position where you made it known that you were charismatic and you were interested and you you felt like you could be on camera and you probably sucked shit for a while but like 
it's it's amazing. I mean, you hear all of these people being like, uh, I sucked for my first five years or my first 10 years and they shouldn't have had me on there. And I feel like people like us who are in our first 10 years of doing things were like, oh, I sucked last year. It's so crazy. And now I feel like I'm getting a little bit better, but I'm still not great. It's so crazy to think that like five years from now, we'll all be like, man, I sucked for my first five years. Or first yeah, I, I, I think what goes behind that is like your kind of explanation about learning how to do everything in the same sense of I broke my body in test yeah. doing whatever they needed. I got a hernia at Sever. Like they destroyed me. Yeah. Um, everyone... You are too tall for this game, kid. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I guess for because no one, no, everyone is obviously listening right now. I'm six four, so there is a <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's a thick six four too. He's not oh like God. wiry. No, I just mean like you're not you're not six you four one seventy. No, I just mean you you are you. I mean you're no, I'm not calling you are in good shape in varying levels of great shape. I would say, but your <laughs> joints. But I'm just saying yeah, your joints yeah, and I your back a, do not have a field day. That is true. I heard you. That's all. This class okay. here. Yeah, I'm falling. I just apart. mean you have more weight on you than. I mean, I'm tall too. I'm six one, six two. I always say, but I went to the doctor the other day. I'm six footed. I don't know if I'm shrinking or just whatever. What the hell is going on? It's probably my um, anyway. But I'm it's gonna, fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just reel us back in. Why do people listen to podcasts? Like, what is so interesting about voices and not being able to see anything? Oh, this way you. This was your next question, eh? This was this uh, was originally where we were going to go before you became the co-host. I like. I, I lo- like. I loved it. I love this. I liked our stuff. Um, why do people listen? I think that people. I don't know. I mean, I always think you want to just be privy to conversations where people are more knowledgeable or funnier and or funnier about things that you're interested in. Do you listen uh, to poc- a lot of podcasts? I probably listen to a podcast a day, but it's amazing how I I pick up and drop podcasts really fast. Like six months ago, I was obsessed with something. And then now I don't, now I think that the people are petty and shallow or whatever. I'm just like, it's crazy how fast I, I spit them up and turn them out, but there's nothing really better uh, than a pod, than when it clicks and you're walking around and it's like, you know, 45 degrees and you've just started walking fast enough to the point where you're not cold and you're just freaking in the zone, especially like when you find, when you find one that it's kind of like, for me, podcasts are kind of like, uh, getting in a hot tub in the sense that like, they're the best when they're just like a little bit too hot or too smart for you. But then you kind of, you start to get comfortable with it. You know, uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's really what I like in, in podcasts. Um, so I think this all ties back together to what yeah. you were saying before about like how I am looking for engaging content or like thinking about Instagram lives, things like that. This podcast in itself was because it was something we were getting from some of our community members. And it was like, we wanted to give a serviceable aspect of like what, food media actually looks like since yeah so many people we're dealing with are these influencers who have amassed huge followings and are just getting started but don't really know anything about what it takes to produce a video or get a cookbook deal or honestly do anything in this world that used to be so lock and key yeah that you just well, we'll have to talk about it. those actual questions on the next one i guess yes yeah. <laughs> but i mean yeah. what's your what's your simple advice for that mine is just find the thing that you know 
like that you actually know better than anyone else or find the thing that you know best and make small things about it. A hundred percent. That's it. it everyone the, the, long gone are the, the days where it's like everyone is a jack of all trades. Um, nobody wants that. And I, and it's unfortunate because a lot of the personalities that were owning that space of just general home cooking are being mm-hmm. phased out because of the fact that, um, it's just not as powerful. No, now it's just, you're so much, I'm just so much more interested in listening, uh, in, in listening to someone who specializes in pie, talk about pie. hundred percent. Oh my God. You should listen to our episode with Aaron McDowell. Oh, um, and I will. And yes. Um, but, but I just think like, and also be honest, right? Like, I think we see so much, I think, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel, I feel like I see so many videos where it's like, this is my favorite cookie recipe and whatever. And you just don't feel it's honest, but like, really, I feel like really, you know, dig deep in your soul and like find what is your favorite recipe and why, and then like make something about that, you know, like what's your favorite that, cookie that, recipe exactly- actually? the point of when I said the beauty of ephemeral things and you always have to be looking for what's next. For me, success in terms of the content I'm producing at FeedFeed is creating something that our community is then going to make and talk about and enjoy. So right now it's these like chocolate olive oil cookies. They're like chocolate brownie cookies-esque, but they use olive oil and it's kind of like ganache based, super easy, super delicious. Is it my favorite recipe of all time? I don't know, but I really love them. And in the moment, no, like, but, 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 but you're and now in a position, but you're now in a position where you are an authority on cooking. I'm talking yeah. about to people that don't have a following or don't, uh, then they know just how need they're going to break need in. To be making sure that everything they do is perfect. It doesn't, or, have to but be is, or is a thing that they actually care about, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing because people are only going to vibe and, understand and want to click through and make your recipe if they get the sense that you're truly passionate about what you're doing and you're not just selling them another chocolate chip cookie recipe yeah and 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 i always say like if you want to learn a thing and you want to make it into content like take people on the actual journey right like if you don't know how to bake and you want to make a video series about you baking don't the first episode shouldn't be you making something interesting or good it should be like i want to learn how to bake here's how i'm starting it out like that probably won't work but at least you're honest about the thing you're doing yeah agree or no i I don't think you i I think i lost you on that no 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 no. i think that the idea behind um all of this is just so personal It, it really depends on the person because at the same point some people are i i'm attracted to some people's content based on their personalities alone. And for some, their personalities are either super weird or super um, something that would typically be uh, something that could be seen as off-putting, but because of the context of them cooking, <laughs> it's just like endearing somehow. I don't know if yeah. that makes any sense. Um, like they but, have no hands or something, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Uh, so that's why I, I think it's a case-by-case basis, but that kind of ties back to the concept of authenticity and like you just have to be authentically and i don't want to be oh you just have to be yourself yeah well that's really what it is but that's what that's what it is um dan we're going into our lightning round i'm just gonna throw you (laughs) i thought this was done yeah i mean you you, all right i you're you deserve a long podcast um string me out let's go what, what whose chef do you love following on instagram 
whose personal chef do I love following on Instagram? Oh my God, not personal chef. I'm the obvious man. What like chef? Which chef? Instagram do you love? Um, like for me, it's Mike Solomonov because he's like, now I'm thinking and things like that. Yeah. Listen, you know, all right. I'm going to give a controversial answer here and nobody Google him or whatever. But, um, first of all, I mean, listen, Rene Redzepi, Dan Barber, all the people that are like, or Dan Barber, especially, you know, people that really care about what they're doing and are trying to change food, but also do fine dining because it's whatever. Those are like, I want to Dan Barber. No one can tell you more about us. Like we're talking about, no one can tell you more about a squash than Dan Barber. So that's a good example. I don't give nobody to please don't ever talk to me about a squash unless you're Dan Barber or like (laughs) Renny Redzepi. You know what I mean? So don't, if you're just some fucking hack on your balcony and you're growing, like, I don't care about your squashes that are small and taste like shit because you finally got them to grow. That's not interesting to me. Definitely, definitely, honey, nutter, get the fuck out. Well, sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, um, I, I, listen, I gotta say, I have been, I'm truly impressed with Salt Bay's ability to innovate beyond the first iteration of Salt Bay. Like he's terrible and he represents a lot of what's wrong with this world in terms of consumer culture, in terms of just waste and, you know, excessiveness. But he has found a lot of ways to continue to be silly on Instagram. So I think, uh, it's, it, it, it's probably Salt Bay. I mean, that's a good answer. You did. I mean, you went to the review the restaurant, correct? I oh, well, I I out. wrote along. I wrote along for a review of that restaurant gotcha. at one point. Yeah. Um. What was the last meal that you were truly just like floored by? It was so good. Um. F- last meal that I was floored by. It, it, uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three real quick. I, I think, uh, I had a moment in New York where I was like, you know, cause I, I'm, I, I just eat too much in New York and I'm sometimes become, Did you have a Carrie Bradshaw in New York is dead. No, I didn't. I didn't think New York was dead. I mean, LA is in a, it was an amazing food city. Uh, so sometimes I'm like, oh, it is better, but, but yeah, like, who cares? You don't have to compare it. You don't have to compare it. We don't need it. I mean, New York is the best city in the world and it's exactly. It's I hope so. Um, I I ate at three restaurants like on in one week. I ate at Nami Nori, which is a hand roll restaurant in the West Village, where I, I first saw it because of Instagram. So many people were basic as fuck Instagramming their like dumb ha- dumb looking hand rolls with like chopped tuna and wagyu and all the things that I'm like. This is so like the purest in me was so against. But I went there and everything everything was like. A little maybe a little the focus maybe was on the visuals a little bit and the gimmick of it but it was just brilliant chefs making sushi that happened to look good and i was just like dan you're an idiot stop judging shit like just because a thing does well on instagram right and then i went to jua which is a korean tasting menu that just opened in new york um yeah amazing seven course like really affordable uh, and then I went to this restaurant called Essex Pearl, uh, which is in the basement of uh, Essex Crossing um, mm-hmm. in the Lower East Side. And uh, it's a restaurant owned by Aquabest, which is a, a prominent seafood distributor in the city. And they had this chef named Bun cooking. It seems like he's just been giving as long as he does a raw bar gets to do carte blanche. Right. He cooks like the most like just all 
Asian food, like Vietnamese dishes, Thai dishes, Chinese dishes, Japanese dishes. And I don't, I couldn't find the through line. It felt like just like a stoner fantasy, but man, it was bomb. So uh, yeah, New York is alive and well. And yeah, and so is Carrie Bradshaw, I guess. <laughs> um, we play Fuck, Mary Kill every episode. Um, yeah. So yours, uh, your options are small oh place Oh my God, you did your work. Yeah, right, go on. small place restaurants, $450 omakase menus, or a home-cooked meal by me. Well, obviously you're going to marry... I'm not even going to think about it because I have to marry the home-cooked meal. Good answer. That's not true. I'm going to marry the small... <laughs> like. <laughs> it's just I've you know what every time I come to your place for dinner it's the most lovely experiences but there, I I surrender you surrender control being in someone else's kitchen whereas like when you're in a restaurant and you can just buy things and you're then you can leave whenever you want yeah okay, yeah that. that's I mean that's where I am most comfortable because I I don't have many home-cooked meals um I eat. I definitely eat more while walking. More of my meals while walking in New York than I do home cooked. Uh, I would probably marry the small plates. Fuck the living hell out of the uh, yeah, omakase. <laughs> Although four fifty, the best one I've ever had in my life, hands down. I also just went to Japan. Um, was three hundred dollars Upper East Side at Sushi Naz. So you don't Good need that four fifty, baby. Good to know. Yeah. 300 is all you need the last uh, yeah the last um request in our lightning round tell us a joke oh there you go so for everyone um, who's listening dan is also a stand-up comedian <laughs> a joke it's you know what's funny about revealing something like that at the end is there i hope there are not i hope that everyone's not like he is because they should be <laughs> like oh that makes sense this was funny yeah. i enjoyed this um a joke well let me let me think um okay i i mean uh here's a food joke that i love that nobody else loves um what uh i just i've done it on stage a few times it kind of bombs but i just go like hey did you uh did you see the report and then everyone's like what and i'm like yeah it turns out the the favorite italian dessert amongst alzheimer's patients is the affogato oh my god you're terrible (laughs) (laughs) oh wow i am ending this this was wonderful what did Um, you think of the joke i think i think think you are the voice of our generation truly 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 Uh, Um, not true I hope and it's not true. Thank you so much for coming. This has been revolutionary. I am a change. Is this your best one? Oh, I, easily, 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 easily. Um, I think we'll have to have a we'll have a part two eventually. Yeah, once my name is recognizable enough, you'll have me back. I we can we could create a pseudonym for you too, if make it a little <laughs> make it a little flashier. Uh, we'll figure yeah. it out. We can workshop it. Um, thanks to everyone for listening to learn more about the food and drink discovery platform. That is the feed feed head to the feed Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the feed feed and myself at Jake Cohen. I like how your plugs come in first. (laughs) Dan at Daniel Janine and be sure to listen to his podcast, the eaters digest. Um, if you have a tip on who the next social media culinary star will be, send us a DM. We will see you next time.
The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.